Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. But love does, because so often in the world we live in, um, we think of love and we think of often a feeling, don't we? And the problem with feelings are, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like showing up and sometimes I don't. And if I was to go with feelings all the time, I would be topsy-turvy, I'd be in and out, I'd be up and down and left and right, and one minute I would be into it and the next minute I wouldn't be. And, and the world, unfortunately, we live in at the minute is very emotional. Do you agree? And we hear statements like love is love and all these different statements and there's no definition. And it's confusing. And, and what we end up doing is falling for the, the fairy tale, the Disney narrative, and have expectations that we're always going to be feeling happy. And, it's, and it doesn't seem to play out that way. When I, I go to marry people, I always talk about what is love. Because so often we lose the definition. In culture, and culture, and we talked last week, if you didn't hear last week, make sure to catch up. We talked about the four different kinds of love in the Greek language. Because English as a language is limited. So in the Greek language, there's about approximately 20,000 words. <clears throat> and in the English language, there's about 5,000 words. So that's about four times more words in Greek. And so when we read the Bible and we learn about love, sometimes we don't truly understand the depth of what that word means. So last week, we spoke about four different types of love. So the first one was eros love, which is like infatuation or, lo or lust. And that's God's plan and that's God's way. Come on, that's a good thing inside of marriage. And so God has designed us to connect with one another, male and female, through our, our love within a marriage, to connect, to make little Sophias and all that kind of stuff. And then there's a storge love, which is like a family love. It's the kind of love that you would say to a family member, I love you, I love you, I love you. Love my parents, all that kind of stuff is good. A storge love, it's a different word. Um, and then there's philia love, which is affection. It's just affection. I have affection towards another person. It's intimate. It's, it's, it's more than just a surface kind of brotherly love. It's, it's, it's deeper. And then finally, we have agape love. And this is the, the word that is used within the Bible for, for God's mission to the earth with Jesus. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to die for us, to save us. But the word that was used was agape and that's a word that we use, uh, when we use it, we're talking about sacrifice, we're talking about commitment, it's the deepest level, it's the foundation. Have you, have you ever seen a house being built? The first thing that has to go in, sorry Sophia, the first thing that has to go in is the foundations. Because if you don't put the foundations in, the first, the first bit of wind or storm or, or uh, resistance, the house falls have you heard that little uh, song, don't build your house on the sandy land? Don't build it too near the what? The shore. It might be kind of nice. You have to build it twice. You have to build the house once more. And so the problem with that is that's what a lot of the other types of love are like. They're not supposed to be a foundation. Agape love was always intended to be the foundation of marriage and of God's love because it's stable. It's not emotion. It's the only type of love that emotions are not attached to. 
But how many people have you heard say, oh, my relationship didn't work out, you know, that I vowed to? And listen, this is a place of grace. We all learn. We, all, we get one chance of living life. And I make tons of mistakes along the way, but I'm trying to prevent that. Is anyone with me? I'm trying to make less mistakes rather than more. And so I want to learn off some of my past mistakes and mess ups and maybe times where I went with the other kinds of love and made them my foundation and I had to build it twice. Anyone had to build it twice? <laughs> um, and so that's why we need to understand what on earth is love in definition. Not just love is love. What does that even mean? <laughs> There's no definition to that. And so for God so loved the world. And so I want, I want to talk to you about a message this morning called, Will It Last? Will It Last? Let's pray. God, I thank you that your love, it lasts. It stands the test of time. It, it moves through the most excruciating storms of life. It has the ability to overcome the worst pain. I thank you for your love, agape love, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, uh, man, come on, who wants to have a love or to be loved by a love that can overcome pain, that can withstand the frictions of life, that can deal with your weird habits, that can deal with your, your frustrating ways? Who wants that kind of love in your life? A love that will actually stand in the gap for you and, and make up for your shortcomings. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of love I want to be around because you know what it does? It allows me to be me and to be free, to make error not by mistake, not on, on purpose. It allows me to learn. We find in the church, if we can create an environment of grace, of acceptance, it, it allows people to keep coming back even when they were out last night up to all sorts of no good. Actually, we, I would actually promote the idea that, that just keep coming, just keep showing up. Even if you had the worst sin last night, you show up. That, you actually need to show up all the more. But the problem with sin and shame and guilt and all that kind of stuff, it actually entices us to do the opposite. I, I don't feel worthy to be at church because deep down you know you made some mistakes. <clears throat> and deep down you know there's some things that aren't right. And so... You don't want to expose yourself to light. You want to keep it in the dark. But the problem with dark is shame grows in the dark. Grace grows in the light. And so you need to get to church. You need to get into the presence of agape love. When we worship, we're worshiping that kind of love that changes us, allows us to grow, allows us to move forward. Can I get an amen? It says in, in 1 Corinthians 13 and 13, and now these th three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Because it lasts. Because it's wholesome. Because it's exactly what the doctor ordered. It's exactly what we need. But what is love? And will it last? We're in the middle of Lent. So Lent started, and, and some people call that, you know, it starts at Ash Wednesday, some people would say. And I, I was kind of interested about, you know, Ash, what's the whole deal with Ash? Well, the whole deal with Ash is, from, from ash we began, and ash, that's where we end up, from dust to dust. Did you know your body's actually made up of what's in the ground? We're literally dust, and we go back to dust. 
And so that, that changes, like potassium and magnesium. What other fancy words can I, what else is in the body? Santis. What? So, what did you say? Stop, oh, I'm going too far. Better do it, I'm told the Holy Spirit has spoken through my wife. <laughs> so, so what was going on in Lent is Jesus had 40 days out. And, and let's, let's look at the big picture. Jesus was sent to earth as the Savior, but for 30 years he didn't perform miracles. He was like preparing, planning. Did you know that your life and our character is sometimes like that? That like an iceberg, sometimes what you see in people's life is only the surface. There's so much going on behind the scenes. And so Jesus took 30 years and then at 30, at 30, he felt the Holy Spirit lead him into the wilderness for 40 days where there was prayer and fasting. And this is where he got tempted the most. Out of his whole life, the most temptation he faced was the last 10%, you could say. And so we're going to pick up here. So Jesus' mission on the earth is to love the world by destroying the devil's power and freeing those who were held in slavery by sin. That's the plan. That's the mission. That's how he loves us. And so we're going to pick up here in Matthew 4. It says this, Then Jesus was led, guided by the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness. Did you know that God can sometimes guide us into places where we can suffer? Where suffering might be a part of the journey. To be tempted, tested, and tried by the devil. And he went without food for 40 days and 40 nights, and later he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you're God's son, command these stones to be made loaves of bread. But he replied, It is written, Man shall not live by bread. Sorry, I'm, I'm quoting the original, the NIV version. Man shall not live and be upheld and sustained by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. First point I want to make, it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. You see, Satan came and tempted Jesus with his fleshly desire. He's hungry. Oh, it's so hard to resist sometimes when you're hungry and you're walking through Belfast and Boozham just pops up. Oh, had a Boozham yesterday. Top notch. A few chips on the side. Delightful. When you're hungry, and the hungrier I am, the more tempted I feel. But something that Jesus is connected to here is deeper than that. There's something deeper than just that, that hunger of his body. He's saying, I'm, I've got a different hunger that, that's actually more powerful than, than my, the hunger of my body, my flesh. He's talking about the, there's a competition on with the lust of his flesh. See, sometimes the lust of our flesh the desire of our flesh can be destructive. If, if you like to party, you might have came into environments where you were, you were attracted to and you loved the idea of drinking or drugs or partying. Or, or, or maybe some of you, we like the idea of, of eating food or we like the idea of exercising all the time. But you know what I've actually found? There's been times where I desire food. There's been times where I want to do something good, like go to the gym. There's been times where I want to go out. 
And it's actually been me trying to escape from another scenario. <laughs> you know, my wife asks me to clean. I'm so busy working all the time. She asked me to do the shop, and I promise you, I'm away to the gym. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, darn, I'm sorry. I'd love to do the shopping. But I have other important things to do. You know, gym's a good thing, isn't it? It's good to, it's good to stay healthy. It's good to... And so it's interesting here that bread is not bad. Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't eat bread. He's not saying that bread is evil. He's saying there's something deeper going on here that's more important. And I don't know about you, but I had to pay the price of some of those times I ignored the dishes. Because love goes deeper. Dale, can I get an amen? You better have the house clean today by 3 p.m. Because love, it, it travels deeper than just fleshly desires. It's not that these things are all bad or all wrong, but love goes deeper. It's on a different track. And if we ignore it, if we try to pretend it's okay, if we have this escapism kind of attitude, then what happens is we end up in a place that we never intended to be. Anyone experienced that, or is it just me? <laughs> I find it interesting that right before Jesus was literally after 30 years, we don't hear much in between, but all of a sudden we hear of all these temptations and trials and tests right before the breakthrough, just right, just right at the, the edge. I actually think about, have you ever seen a rugby match and they're on the try line? And, and before that, you know, when they're starting in the center and the kickoffs went, Everyone spread out in their positions in the front row, and everyone spread out in the line for the most part if they're defending. But all of a sudden, when they get to the try line, it's like all the troops, all the players are, are all compact just where that try line is, and they're all trying with all their might, and they're hitting as hard as they can because they can't afford an inch, or, or the try will be given and the points, and, and all, especially as, as they close in towards the posts because there's extra points available. I feel like sometimes that's what it's like when you're about to break through. And you're about to overcome, and all of a sudden the resistance has just went through the roof. All of a sudden you're getting annoyed at all sorts. All of a sudden the flesh, the flesh you know, jealousy, all these kind of pains start to just arise, and you're fighting like you've never fought, but when you were down in the field, it was fine. There was no issues. No one was calling you names. No one was rejecting you. No one... There was nothing really going on. It was pretty relaxed. But as soon as you're about to just get a few points on the board, overcome that selfishness, overcome that jealousy, overcome that stuff, those people, get a stronger identity. All of a sudden, the pressure builds. A few years ago, just before we started the church, I had never intended to do church or start the church the way we did. A few things happened in my life where I experienced serious rejection from people that I didn't think I harmed. I experienced a serious uh, amount of conflict, and I don't even know how. And it was so weird, but it happened the way it happened with Jesus, that just as I was about to go into a new assignment, a new season, I experienced the most challenges that I'd ever experienced in 32, three years of my life. And I think it's the same for you. If you're going to fight the good fight, if you're going to do things God's way, it will always come at a cost. If you're going to love with agape, agape or agape, 
love, you need to get ready. If you're going to fight for your family, if you're going to fight for marriage, if you're going to fight for friends, it's going to come at a cost. And you can't go and you can't trust those kind of emotions on, a, on the upper level. You've got to dig deep to sacrifice to sacrificial love. You've got to dig deep. That's the only kind of love that can withstand trouble and trial and testing. Nothing else will stand in the face of a storm. Some of the storm, honestly, sometimes when I went through some of those trials and tribulations, listen, there were some things I had to get right. Some things I, I'm not just going to blame everyone else. It was humbling. I had to hold my hands up. What could I have done better? And in doing that, I realized, whoa, there's a part of me when, it, when you're squeezed under a situation that, that is so intense, sometimes you need backup. Sometimes you need some other people around you. Sometimes you need some other people in the scrum, in the mall, trying to push the ball over the line. Sometimes you just can't do it by yourself. But the good thing is when you do it with God, he has got the power. He has got the ability to give you a way through. When you do it by yourself, the ball gets turned over. And we, we essentially start to track back. And, and the biggest shame for me and in my life or your life, I think, is when, when sometimes we get close and we just retract and we don't have the people around us, and we kind of do, and we become so discouraged, we don't try to break through again. We just accept the norm, that is norm. We accept losing, we accept failure, we accept an unhealthy identity about ourselves as normal. That's, that's awful. For people to come in here and still think they're not lovable, for people to come in here and, and, and still allow shame to dictate the narrative of their story, that's, that's brutal. That's not the love that Jesus died for. That's why I think it's so important that we find ourselves on a love that lasts. Amen. See, sometimes our ability to love is affected by our need to prove our identity. If we're always in, in, in environments, in places, in settings where we're always having to prove our worth and prove our identity then we're so focused on that that we don't have anything to give because we're trying to get. It sucks the energy out of us. It sucks our ability to love. If God has called us to not just receive his love, but to use that love to love others, then we need something firm. We need something solid. We need something that we can stand upon all the time, no matter how we feel. And, and I don't know about you, but in order to lay that foundation, it takes a bit of reminding, it takes a bit of rehearsing, it takes a bit of work. Repeating what God says, repeating who God is, and receiving that time and time again until the bricks are laid, that it covers all bases. Because I know when I don't have that foundation, what I keep going back to is what are people saying? I keep, what, what I keep going back to is how are people thinking or, or, or people liking or people looking or people attending? And, and it's just topsy-turvy and my emotions are up and down and there's no regulation. And I see that we, see that we dot that we square on the wall there? It's called a thermostat, one of these new digital ones, Wi-Fi. Love it. it. Means I don't have to come down here and switch the heating on every other day. It's just programmed. And so what that does in here is it regulates the temperature. So when it's too low, 
it brings it up. And when it's too high, it brings it down. That's what the agape type of love is supposed to do with our emotions, with our soul. It's there to regulate. That when you feel rejected, well, hey, go pray. Remind yourself of who you are. Remind yourself of that steady, sacrificial love that paid the price for your past, present, and future sins. That's grace. That's attractive. That will get you back on your feet and showing up to life. See, sometimes we do things to impress people that we don't even like or that don't even care. Sometimes we buy things to impress those people. Sometimes we post things to impress those people when no one really cares in the first place. Often our greatest potential is in our positions. Sorry, often our greatest positions of potential or where we get our greatest threat of resistance. Goes on to say here, Matthew 4, 5, and 7, then the devil took him into the holy city and placed him on a turret, a pinnacle, a gable, he's at the top of the temple sanctuary, and he said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels charge over you, and they will bear you up on their hands. Lest you strike your foot against a stone, Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is also written, you shall not tempt, test thoroughly, or try exceedingly the Lord your God. We're talking about the pride of life. Pride is an awful thing. It's funny, I was talking to somebody, uh, we'd done Alpha last week, and it was absolutely brilliant. Rand's doing an incredible job. And uh, one of the guys come to me last week, and his wife was with him, and he's like, Man, I was coming here in the first week for a fight. Like, because you know, it's it's an open forum. There's atheists. There's people who are in between. They're not sure what's this whole God Jesus thing. And he's just like, no, nah, I've seen too many people who call themselves a Christian and they're just hypocrites. It's like there's no love in their heart. They're just there's no prince. Like they're in business. You know, it's just it's messy. Anyone know any people like that? I hope you're not saying yes, yeah, you Phil. <laughs> you hypocrite. Only here because I have to come. And so he comes in, he says, this, this was the second week last week, and he says, you know what? I came for a fight the first week, but, but to be honest, I came in and I had no questions because it was all answered. It's kind of, what's going on? He, and he came back for the second week, and it's, he says, a heart softened. You know, as, as people, as men especially, sometimes pride kicks up. Don't want to listen to nobody. And, and when the pride's kicked up, <laughs> it's going to be very hard to get through. And this is what's happening here, is that is Satan's presenting Jesus an opportunity to have power, to have position. You've got to be very careful with power, and you've got to be very careful with position. I was actually, as we were worshiping there, I was, get, I was just thinking about how I remind myself as I get onto the stage it's very easy when you're up here to believe your own hype, to start to believe that you're entitled. This is why we always say that leadership, as a leader, Jesus' example of leadership was he was a servant in his identity with an opportunity to lead. But when somebody identifies as a leader who serves, just serves, that's just what I, you know, just, that's a part of it. What happens is there's pride. Entitled. I deserve to be here. This is my stage. That's ugly. 
And you know the problem with that mindset and what happens with the, the, the whole narrative of love? If, if agape love is sacrificial, when you're entitled, you're sacrificing for no one. You're not willing to stoop down. That's why we see some, it doesn't matter what you think about politics, or, but when we look at the Ukrainian issue, people are drawn to the leader who lays down his life. Because he realized I'm here to serve, my identity is in service to this nation, whatever it takes. Whereas if someone was all like, oh, no, I'm only here for the position and the power and the glory. And so uh, there's no glory if I die, you know, I'm going to go off and get it plain and, and, and go look at it from a distance. That's not the kind of love that Jesus spoke of and Jesus exemplified. And, and here we have the, the Satan's trying to dangle a carrot and say, I'll give, look at all this, you could have the power, the glory, without the process of death and resurrection. He's trying to skip the process. Here's the problem. If you skip the process, you skip the atonement. You skip the purpose. You skip the whole reason you came in the first place. You skip saving the world. The whole point Jesus came to the earth was to save mankind from its sin, from shame, from death. Guess what the percentage of people dying in this room are? Are you, Anyone gamblers in here? If you were to bet, what's the, what's the percentage of people dying in this room right now? Put your house on it. It's one out of one. 100%. Jesus came for the 100% to deal with this problem that we have of making mistakes on purpose that we call sin, that we have all fallen short of. But the pride that causes us to abuse the situations looking for power is fake. And it does not last because every kingdom has fallen that has been built by man. This is why I love things. Napoleon spoke about historically about how he was drawn to the person of Jesus because Jesus built a kingdom on this agape love that lasted the test of time. It didn't just last, it grew. But, but he, he had millions, so much power, so much resource for a season, but it didn't last. That's the kingdom that Jesus came to build. A kingdom that was based on love, sacrificial love that would give up its power. If you're focused, this is, I was thinking about this this morning, if you're focused on position, power, and glory as a goal, you'll find it hard not to use people in order to attain more power. Isn't that not what it's like in the business world? Everyone wants a position. Everyone wants power. And if that's your bottom line, if that's your foundation, you will walk over people to get there. If that's what you want to be remembered for, if that's your legacy in life, what you'll find yourself doing naturally is aiming for position is aiming for power. And so that might look like, I hate people licking up. Anyone else? Oh, he's licking. Oh, dust up. And it's like when people get into that mindset, it's like they lose awareness. You can see a clear, oh my goodness, stop. Get, put the apple away. And the lunch, stop. 
it's, it's not about people. It's not even about the boss or, or the person who they can get power from. It's about position. It's, it's about trying to attain power. It's about more resource or money, thinking that will be the solution to the human problem. It's not. It, you know, it'll, do, it'll divide you. That sacrificial love doesn't exist in those circles, in, in that kind of heart. It'll create a mess. It'll create enemies. Matthew 4, 8 to 11. Again, the devil took him up on a very high, high mountain. This is his third test or trial. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and, and the glory, the splendor, magnificence, preeminence, and excellence of them. Of them. And he said to them, these things all taken together, I will give you if you prostrate yourself before me and do homage and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for he has been... For it has been written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone and shall ser- alone shall serve you. Sh- I can nearly talk. Him alone shall you serve. Then the devil departed from him and behold, angels came and ministered to him the lust of the eyes. What is the lust of the eyes? It's, it's coveting or, or, or wanting or desiring um, someone else's family. Belongings consumption, pornography, desiring others, material possessions, possessions of wealth, status, being envious of others. See, it's hard to love your neighbor if you're competing against them. <laughs> it's hard to love your neighbor. Honestly, I, go, I walk around our state with Anna. I'm like, I think our grass is better. <laughs> I've been investing some serious fertilizer on the grass. I'm telling you, it's looking good. And I've got to be careful. Because <laughs> if, if I continue to think that way, then they're the enemy that I'm playing against. I'm not interested in, in, in praying for them. I'm competing. I'm like, you want to come down and see my grass? For no other reason, just to show you how good it is. I'm not looking to help you. I'm not looking to cut your lawn or let you in on my secrets. Ooh. That's why I, I was... A part- led in uh, to an environment, a church environment in, in the States, and I loved, it kind of, it opened my eyes a bit, because up until that time, people were doing like church online, and resources, and selling, and all that kind of stuff, and, and they actually said, you know, our vision for church is to raise up leaders, it's a massive church, raise up leaders, empowering leaders, and send them out to plant churches, a thousand churches of a thousand people, and so their vision was outward. It wasn't about building their kingdom and their empire. It was about building the church as a whole. It was not selfish. It was not we're better than everyone else type kingdom. And so because of that, it seemed that God breathed on that vision and they've done that. They've one of the biggest uh, ministry colleges in the States. And it just messed with me a bit that they, were, they said, we don't want to charge for anything because the gospel is free. And they give all of their secrets and all of their uh, templates and everything that you, you, you could find within a church setting, they have it and they give it away. Because it wasn't about them having power or them having glory. The picture was way bigger. 
it was way greater. What, what if our lives looked like that too? What, what if you believed that, that as a human being with all the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given you, because you came from the ash, remember, and you will return to the ash, what, what if you looked at the bigger picture, you went deeper, you looked at what lasts, what is generational on this earth, what goes beyond planet earth? What if you started to think that way and started to understand, hey, what is my purpose? Is there a purpose? Why am I here? What if you started to ask those deeper questions and then you decided to use your soul, your body, your resource, whatever's in your hand to do something to build that kind of kingdom that lasts, that's, that has a promise with it, that as we learn in Alpha, there's all kinds of evidence, geographical, historical that backs it up like no other story in history. Still the most popular book in all of history. Why? We've got to ask those hard questions. And yes, we won't understand it all. Honestly, some things in the Bible we still, I'm still struggling with and wrestling with. And that actually validifies why it's... What, if you were making up a story, you would probably make it more simple. <laughs> Have it all its I's dotted and T's crossed, you'd probably... Have it all perfect, wouldn't you? I would. See, if, if we're going to fall for the narrative that, that Jesus could have fallen for with the Satan's lie and temptation and competing with one another, have you ever been in a circle or maybe someone's been speaking to you and you're on your phone? <laughs> no? Anyone out there? And so they're, they're speaking to you and you know like, oh man, I, got, I really want to look at this on my phone, but I've got to make eye contact to make sure they think I'm listening. Well, I'm listening. It's very hard to love someone if you're not giving them your attention. And one of the problems with the lust of the eyes is when your eyes, when your attention is elsewhere, you can't, you can't connect. That's where a lot of those other loves come in. We have agape love as a foundation, but philia, philia love, storgia love, eros love, they, all those loves are about one-to-one, -one. connection, person-to-person. -person. And so you can't do that if you're obsessing, if you're jealous, if you're coveting over that other person's car and you're trying to get a car of the same equal value or better, or if you're looking at other people's grass like me, or if you're if you look at different outfits that people are wearing and not feeling worthy and wanting to, to be at a certain level, the problem with all that time and all that energy is you can't love. You're not investing in love. I'm not saying any of that is necessarily wrong that you want to buy something for purpose. But when it becomes your bottom line, it becomes distorted and, and leads you into a life which is building something that won't last becomes worthless, forgotten, of no impact. All the glory that we think we have will one day disappear. So the question I have for you today is what are you building and will it last? What are you leaving and will it last? What are you investing into? What are you praying for? Is it just for more power, for more glory? for more possessions, or is it for more people to see who God is? 
Is it for more people to understand God's love? Is it it for you to to come before and bow the knee before a king who has a love greater than no other that has walked the earth? Let's go ahead and stand. going to go into a time where we get a chance to respond because, you know, all of this is just meaningless if it doesn't change us, if we don't respond to the question at hand, if we don't spend some time being honest with ourselves. You know, in definition, God is agape. The Bible says God is love. He is a firm foundation. He is rock solid. Every promise that he has made, he has kept. And a relationship with God is never supposed to be fatiguing, boring. It's never supposed to be something that is so hard to achieve, we always can never reach the line. Jesus actually came and and drew a line that we can step over easily. And it's just by accepting the person of Jesus who was sent to fulfill the assignment of God's ability to love his people and and deal with sin. Sin is just one of those things we all experience. We're all battling against. But Jesus came to put it to bed. So he, he would allow us to walk out purpose despite sin, despite failures. But we ha- he says the only thing we have to do is just to, to believe in Jesus and receive what he done. That's it. And we start fresh with purpose that lasts we get on a journey that is exciting it's been orchestrated we're not just on this earth meaninglessly existing we start to receive power and we start to see things we've never seen before and our our heart begins to soften the pride begins to diminish and God replaces that with his love his acceptance hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.